All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Can you see it? Did you know? The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice. It arms To the line, Hughes scores! First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1 0. Here. Like I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks 
conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. Follow them on all platforms and join them for weekly case breaks on Thursdays on Twitch. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Chris, how's it going on this Wednesday morning? It's been a busy morning, to be 100% honest. Uh, Obviously, we're going to get into the Canucks news, but uh, had a good conversation with Trent Cole, which we're going to get to later on in this episode. Uh, And then, like, as I hung up the phone from that interview, I I didn't forget, but it just, like, slipped my mind that I was on World Hockey Report. Uh, Like, and so it was, like, 20 seconds of of dead air for a second, and then I was right back into it uh, on the show with the guys over there. It's great to catch up with Cody, and uh, he's been a guy that, uh, that I, like, man, when I first started talking about hockey and writing about hockey, Cody was also just starting off uh, at the World Hockey Report. I just love what they've been able to do over there out of Saskatchewan. Uh, so uh, great show with them, and it was good to hop on with them. But it's been a busy hockey morning, man, and I know we uh, basically minutes ago just got this uh, release from the Vancouver Canucks that I'm sure we're about to get into. Yeah, well, well I'll, read, I'll read the statement because, as was expected, the team announced that they are dealing with a variant. Uh, the reason this got a little bit kind of a gray area and kind of foggy was because at her press conference yesterday, Bonnie Henry was asked if it was the Brazil P1 variant, and she said not that she's aware of. Um, that's a completely fair answer. Like, either she wasn't briefed or the main thing is that it actually hasn't been confirmed to be the Brazil P1. It's just team medical staff assumed it was that and they that's kind of what they told reporters and that's kind of how that got out there and the assumption that it's the brazil p1 but yeah like all the reports were saying that it was likely the brazil p1 because that's the kind of the verbiage that the team medical staff was using so in this statement they said on march 31st the vancouver canucks in conjunction with the nhl and bc health officials postponed a game versus the calgary flames and closed rogers arena's team areas following confirmation of three positive covid19 test results over a period of two days. All players and staff currently remain in quarantine. As of today, 25 individuals have tested positive and the source infection is confirmed a variant. Full genome sequencing by BCCDC will be required to determine which specific type. Among the 25 positive cases are 21 players, 3 players from the taxi squad, and 4 members of staff. One additional player is considered a close contact. An ongoing investigation by Vancouver Coastal Health and the club co- and club contact tracing staff attributes the source infection to a single individual obtained in a community setting which has since been identified by public health as a public exposure location rapid spread of infection throughout the team indicates a link between contacts and the primary case the health and safety of players staff families and the greater community remains the utmost priority the Canucks are grateful for the continued support of local public health officials the nhl and nhlpa and encourage everyone to help prevent the spread of COVID-19 by following health orders. COVID-19 infections are rising in BC. This is a stark reminder of how quickly the virus can spread and its serious impact even among healthy young athletes. So Chris, the main thing there, it is confirmed a variant. You really hope it's nothing. Like we know that the players are starting to recover, which is nice. Um, I, I can confirm a few of them that were having some worse symptoms are starting to feel better. I, I know someone I talked to is uh, just experiencing a headache now, um, which, you know, that that's really good compared to what they were dealing with um, a few just a few days ago. So, yeah, I mean, the main thing is it is a variant, but 
full genome sequencing right. is going to be required to determine which specific type. But really, like, I, I don't want to get into all of that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get into the semantics of it. Like, the main thing is that all these guys recover. You know what I mean? I think the thing is there's just so much fear around the variants right now and kind of just we don't really know what it is like we don't know what this brazil p1 variant is going to bring or uh even like the uk variant like there's there's just not a ton of evidence out there yet about anything with them so i think it's just a matter of you just hope everybody makes a full recovery and that everybody's okay and hopefully that's the case here yeah i think um it like i i heard an interesting thing the other day actually talking about it and this this came up when I was having a conversation with my girlfriend, who's a nurse, obviously works in you know in the health industry, and and something that she brought up was like she saw that a lot of reports from the same people that were reporting that there was a variant, you know, a lot of these people have good sources that they were hearing that IVs were administered to the Canucks players, and she was saying that like you know if they're getting IVs, these are the healthiest players in their twenties, most of them in their twenties, right? Some of them in their young thirties as well. But if these players are are being to the level where they have to get IVs because they can't keep water down and things like that. Like this is a serious, a serious situation. And I'm, I'm not, I don't know the difference between what the, you know, what the situation is with the variant compared to people are calling it old COVID. Is that what people are calling it now? Like are the original COVID, but like, if it's if it's worse and it has worse side effects, man, it just it worries me a hell of a lot to to know what these guys are going through. And honestly, like I'm at the point now where where I wasn't a week ago thinking that the season was going to be canceled, but I would be at the point right now where I can see this Canucks team. It, it would be a real struggle for me to believe that they're going to get back on the ice anytime soon. And to finish with 56 games this season, I just don't see that happening, to be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's going to be really difficult. And I think this is a good time. It's the regular part of the show whenever we have to talk about COVID that Chris and I state that we are not doctors. And you can usually tell that by the way we talk about COVID and everything else. We're we're learning just like all of you guys. We, we are not doctors. So we always always make sure we say that. If we were doctors, we probably wouldn't be doing a hockey podcast. But I think you're kind of right about that, Chris. Is just there is so much on the line when it comes to long term for these players, right? Like you, you hope that there's no effect effect to the lung capacity, that sort of thing that we're seeing with some people really having these long term effects from getting COVID. And it does sound like some of these guys were hit pretty hard. So you hope that that's not the case, but you also really like you don't have much to much to gain from making the Canucks finish the season if you're the league, right? Or the NHLPA, like you really don't have like they're not going to make the playoffs you know it was going to be a miracle run if they were going to make the playoffs right and it's just this almost feels like the final the final dagger in a season where it felt like everything went wrong like everything went wrong for the Canucks this year everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong for the Canucks this year and it just feels like this year is like a write-off and they need to just come back make sure everybody's healthy for next season. Like that should be the Canucks main focus right now. And the league's main focus too. Like it's not going to be entirely up to the Canucks. As we know, there are some players and even team staff that are saying, is it even worth going back? Like, is it worth playing right now? If if we don't have our vaccines and that sort of thing, like that's, that's some of the verbiage among players. And I mean, man, you look at Bo Horvat guy had to celebrate his 26th birthday. Happy birthday to Bo, by the way, but 26th birthday in his basement away from his wife, and his nine-month-old son. Like, that sucks, man. That's awful. And, man, it's like, you think Bo wants his vaccine right now? You know what I mean? And it's just, oh, it, it's awful. It, it is awful. And, you know, I'm not trying to suggest that they should just jump the line. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But it's like, 
man, you see teams like the Dallas Stars and even like the Jays are going to be getting vaccinated soon and just, you know, different, um, obviously different countries and one, one of which is vaccinating like millions of people every day. Um, like, obviously it's a different situation, but man, it just, I feel for these players, especially for a guy like Bo, who, you know, like I said, had to celebrate his birthday in his basement alone. Yeah. I mean, we've, you know, you, you know this, I know this, we've dealt with trying to cover this sport and cover this team over the past, you know, 60 weeks now, since this COVID-19 really took over the world. Like it's, it's been a tough time to cover tough time to put out content, but right now it's like the content that we have is hard to, to put out, right? Like it's tough to talk about these situations because these are people. And I think something that I've heard a lot of people talk about is that this isn't a hockey story anymore, right? Like this is a news story. This is a, a major outbreak in a workplace where a variant was obviously, you know, it came out today, the news for sure to confirm it, that a variant was the situation that, that led to the Canucks having 25 people now with with positive cases of the COVID-19, positive tests, yeah, positive tests of the COVID-19 variant and, you know, COVID-19 and a lot of those being from the variant. So I think that it's, yeah. it's man, it's so hard to even just, like, go in and talk about this because, like, right now, like, the only thing I can do as a person who wants to cover this team is literally just, like, wait, right? Because it's not like there's a story here to write, I think, a ton of. Like, obviously, the news is coming out, but there's not stories to go with it. And that's that's a tough spot to be in because, like, we want to be able to tell the stories of these guys, but really what they're doing is they're they're all in their basements, they're all by themselves, and, and that's a tough spot to be in. And a lot of people think that they're going to get back on the ice soon. I think the NHL, like, just changed that they won't be playing on Thursday. Like, I think that came down today or yesterday. And it's like, yeah. man, like, you know you want to think that there's got to be like a better long-term plan moving forward. And, and obviously I don't think NHL was expecting to see a, a team have 25 positive cases, but it's happened now in Vancouver and something needs to happen to, to put the health of these guys at the priority list right now. And, and to think that people want to get back on the ice ASAP, I'm sure that everyone does, but it's just the situation that we have in front of us. It, it's tough. And you need to really think about these players and their health and their safety moving forward. Because like, the only thing that I know about, like, the long-term effects is, like, people that even had COVID in the early stages, like, they would say that, like, even walking up and down the stairs months later after they recovered was tough on their lungs. Like, I can just imagine what it's going to be like for these players to get back on the ice and their first skate. Like, it's a weird thing to even think about for me right now to, like, think about what it's going to be like when they return to the ice because the, the focus really just needs to be on them getting healthy and, and having no long-term effects of this virus that has infected the team. And it's it's tough. Like, it's tough to talk about. I'm, you know, I'm not an expert i just i want to be here talking about hockey but you know unfortunately this situation has presented itself and, and we find ourselves here trying to talk about it i just i find it so tough man like i i, I don't know i like i don't know as much information as i should about COVID 19 and the situation but i hope that a lot of people are learning from this outbreak that the vancouver canucks had because like this is a million dollar you know, organization that has daily testing, right? Like they were always getting tested every single day and they still had an outbreak like this. So I hope that people just see this situation and maybe change their ways into a better way of, of containing this COVID, uh, COVID virus and, and moving forward, getting us back to a regular world. Because man, I, I feel like I say it every week on the show, but like, God, I, I can't wait to be back to your regular world because this, this just sucks so bad. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it absolutely does. All the best to all the Canucks players, staff, everybody affected by this virus right now. And obviously, you know, maybe we've got some listeners. I numbers are really high. If you're if you're going through it, our hearts are with you. We hope you make a full recovery. No hospitalization needed. Chris, I think it's time to move on from the COVID talk. Um, it's always a fun time when we get to move on from it. So Ugh. let's uh, 
let's talk about the Utica Comets because, oh man, here's another COVID conversation that I just queued up because they just dealt with an outbreak as well. I've been talking to a few players down there, and when I say a few, I mean one, but I, I probably shouldn't <laughs> say his name. But um, uh, yeah, like Jack Rathbone hasn't tested positive for the virus. He was back on the ice the other day. I uh, saw that video from the Utica Comets. I just said his name, but uh, <laughs> I guess that was all for naught. But yeah, he's... Uh, He's basically saying the situation down there isn't super bad. I mean, like, they're back on the ice. They were able to contain it. I think they only had 10 positive cases. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. You know more about the comments than I do. 10 positive cases, and then everybody else was just kind of in their hotel hotel room or apartments for those that have apartments down there. Yeah, so uh, I'll add to that. There was, yeah, um, I believe the number is around 10. I, I didn't get the exact number. There's still five players that are dealing with it uh, on the pro- COVID protocol list. Um, they weren't at practice on Tuesday, but they are expecting, I think he said, I think Trent Cole mentioned that they're going to have three or four of them be back for Friday. They're expecting them to get back with the team and be able to skate. Also, uh, Ethan Keppen was added to the group as well. Um, so Canucks fans will know him, draft pick in 2019. Uh, he's been added to the group as a winger might not expect to see him play on Friday but it is still a possibility with today only being Wednesday so we'll, we'll have to see what happens with Kepin moving forward uh, I, I don't think he was playing hockey like I, I don't think Kepin has been playing hockey at all this year I don't also do you happen to remember him being at training camp because I don't no no he wasn't at training camp I don't, he wasn't I didn't think so either, yeah. So I, I think this might be the first time he's getting back into hockey. Another another rookie player jumping into this Canuck, uh, Comets core that's going to you know hopefully excite people like a lot of the other 20-year-olds have. And, and yeah, we're excited to get them back uh, on action on Friday. They're expected to... Uh, to br- like they're bringing the heat, man. They're they're going all you can eat and all you can drink for forty five bucks. Like what a deal uh, to get back in the arena. I know that uh, you have to be vaccinated or have proof of negative tests to get into the arena. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that comes through. But that Adiron uh, Bank Center, like. They get nuts, man. So I'm excited to see Comets fans back in the action. Uh, Trent's going to talk about it a little bit in the interview later on as well. Uh, but uh, we could we could probably throw right to that interview now. Uh, I'll just talk about it real quick. Like, unless there's anything else you want to go in on nope. the Comets here before nope. I set this thing up. All right. So talk to Trent Cull for 37 minutes. Uh, great conversation with him. We started at the start with him growing up uh, in Georgetown in in northwest of toronto and ontario and kind of where his hockey career came to be what it was like growing up and talking about the uh the crazy amount of penalty minutes he got in the ahl uh, a little bit as well and then getting into coaching and and kind of talking about player development and i think one of the interesting things that you're going to hear in this conversation is really hearing about how trent cull changed right like you know he's he came in in his first year as an AHL head coach and I think that he he even talked about it that a lot of things he did in those first couple years weren't the way that he's doing things now and he's really learned a lot about how to work with young players and and you know something that I talked with Cole Lind about on Monday was like Cole couldn't believe how much more positivity there was over the past two seasons about the Utica Comets players coming to the rink, specifically the young guys, right? Like there was a great setup over the past two years in Utica compared to Cole's first two years. And I know the first year was just a little stretch at the end of the season, but it felt like for him to kind of come out and say that like, it's, it's really changed over the past couple of years to see what's going on in Utica. And we're going to hear a lot of that in the conversation with Trent Cole coming up here. So I know you're hosting, but uh, I'll, I'll set it up here because uh, we're going to throw some ads quickly. And then we're going to dive right into the conversation with Trent Trent Call. By the way, new ads. You know, maybe 
maybe you skip the ads normally while you're listening to the show. We got some new ones. I think they're pretty good. Uh, so check out uh, check out the ads. We're going to dive into the Trent Cole conversation and then quickly do a little prospect talk on the back end of the show. So we'll see you there. And right now, let's throw to some ads and then our conversation with Trent Cole. All right. You guys all know about Parallel 49 Beer from our commercials here on the show. And now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it, but it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one, and I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try if you're into a peach-flavored beer. And that's something, you know, I'm pretty damn into. i got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, so go out there and try the Peach Bod for yourself from Parallel 49 Beer. Check them out on Instagram, at Parallel 49, as in the numbers, and then beer, that's Parallel 49 Beer. And be sure to check out their website for more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right, through those food delivery apps. Uber Eats, you can get your delivery from Parallel 49 Beer. Be sure to check out their website, Parallel49Brewing.com. That's Parallel, the numbers 49Brewing.com. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. Moving on along, we want to throw a big shout out to our friends over at Mike's Hard Lemonade and Neutral Vodka as well. Couple of new releases from each of these guys right now. Mike's Hard has released the new White Freeze. It's here from the 90s to freeze your summer with refreshing cream soda flavor, as well as Neutral vodka launching their new juice line with their regular vodka sodas now including fruit juice flavors to spice it up a little bit i know i'm into that because i love my sweeter drinks Uh, so be sure to check out the new mike's hard white freeze as well as the brand new neutral juiced series and if you're of legal drinking age head on down to the local bc liquor store and pick yourself up a six pack of one of these new drinks all right guys joining me now head coach of the utica comets trent cull is joining us here on the podcast very excited to get him on trent how's it going down there you mentioned you guys are, are putting together the masters pool right now yeah, yeah, no, we've uh, we've had a good uh, return to rink and uh, returning to practice this week, and obviously the Masters is coming around the corner, so we've had uh, didn't have a chance to do this last year with our season, and we have a little fun down here with it. Uh, uh, we're doing a little, we're getting the pool together. We got guys all putting in teams and a small amount of money, and uh, we kind of go from there. So we, we enjoy it. Absolutely. So I, I asked you kind of before we started recording, but your outright winner, who's your outright winner this weekend? Do you think? Oh, outright winner! Well, uh, it's going to be the guy that we pick first overall, probably in our in our auction here. So, uh, but I, I don't know exactly who that is yet. But uh, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it's kind of funny what you mentioned that you guys are doing it from the rink. You guys are all spread out in there in the rink, so people might hear some uh, some banging on going around in the background here. Um, so I want to I kind of want to go way back, Trent. I'm, I'm sure like I haven't heard the answer to this, or I haven't heard you talk about it much. But uh, for you growing up, you were born in Georgetown, Ontario. Uh, what was it kind of like? Like, did you were you born? You came out of the hospital and they put a hockey stick in your hand, or what was it like over there? Oh no, no, no! By no means. It was a uh, smaller town at that time when I was growing up there. Uh, Georgetown was think about fifteen to twenty thousand people an hour. 
northwest northwest of Toronto. And so uh, we were kind of referred to as the farmers as, you know, growing up and I worked on the farm or whatever. Like we didn't live on a farm, but I used to, you know, help with friends and stuff and a and, uh, little bit of summer job stuff. So, but uh, no, I uh, just played minor hockey there. And uh, I think when I was 14-ish, I went and tried it for the local junior B team. I was kind of, hey, you should go play here. And, you know, someone said to me, actually, it was a guy named Adam Bennett who had just been drafted uh, in the OHL and, you know, went on to NHL or whatever. But he said, he goes, you're going to get drafted. And I didn't even know what he was talking about. <laughs> I, I had no idea what the draft was. So, and that was just for the OHL. But uh, banged around the OHL. Uh, probably too much, uh, but then signed as a free agent and just uh, played, uh, you know, 10 years in the American League and, and the International League there as well, a couple of years. So, but that was my career in a nutshell, pretty much. I'm looking at your OHL numbers right now in front of me and uh, seasons. Like, it seemed like you're, you know, a nice, easygoing guy, but then those final two seasons, I'm seeing the penalty minutes up over 140 minutes in, th- you know, 50 games. What happened in the last two years? No, I mean, I, I don't know. It was. Uh, I guess I'd say my over my time, I was a guy who's a good defensive defenseman who played with an edge. And that was just part of, you know, what people go to their work and have part of their job that they needed to do. And that was sometimes part of my job. I was uh, by no means a heavyweight or this or that, but that was sometimes to try to protect your teammates. And, and that was part of it, I guess, sometimes. And, uh, and sometimes I'm sure there's probably some tempers that flared when I was a little bit younger or whatever, too. But uh, but no, good uh, couple of years in Kingston in my last uh, two years played for a guy Dave Allison who really helped me out kind of uh helped me find my way as a hockey player and then kind of from there just uh, turned pro after that absolutely and then you jump into the AHL obviously had a, a ton of games 435 games in the AHL uh, a lot of penalty minutes as well I don't know if we need to double dive into that but um I guess like I'm curious to in a guy who's now a coach in the AHL was there anyone for you that was just kind of like a great helper like from a coaching staff that got you to that point of saying like you know what I, I want to get into coaching it was there one guy that kind of helped you along that way uh I was uh, like I just said I, I was fortunate to have Dave Allison in the end of my OHL career he was kind of my first coach that actually taught me a little bit how to play hockey and and uh, helped me mature with that that aspect i was very fortunate i felt like in my pro career for the 10 years the coaches that i played for like tom watt uh, mark hunter um you know just uh just and then Dave, uh, like just some great coach I played for, Gary Agnew, who is now my uh, my associate <laughs> coach here, you know, yeah. I, I mean, but I was very fortunate, Ron Lowe, Dave Barr, a lot of guys that were in the, and you know, that I got to be around who really helped me, I guess, learn about hockey. Uh, my intentions were not to become, was not to become a coach. It was always, sure, I would love to, but, um, you know, I know it's a, it's a really tough market. Uh, I, I had done my firefighting schooling through the PHPA, and that was kind of my my plan after I was done. And I was going to either go somewhere, whether the States or Canada, to be a fireman. And then uh, Dave Barr was the head coach and GM in Guelph and junior hockey in the OHL, and he called and offered me a long hours low paying job as a coach and and I took it I guess <laughs> <laughs> right on and and from there like I'm cur- was there ever a thought in your mind to be a coach or was it kind of just like the offer presented itself and you kind of were like you know what this this seems like something I could do uh it was never like hey I'm going to be a coach always uh um I I was focusing on something else I just realized it's such a tough career choice uh sometimes and and probably after my years of five and junior and 10 as a pro i was like probably needed a little bit of stability is what i was thinking and that's why i was thinking about the fireman thing but Mm -hmm. uh 
you know what? I was very fortunate for Dave Barr to take a chance on me, and he offered me that job. And um, you know, just very lucky with that. And then it seemed like the connections that I'd made already uh, as I played seemed to kind of uh, you know went back from there to to the AHL as an assistant coach, and then uh, went back to junior as a head, and uh, came back to the American League as uh, an assistant. And now it's got to me kind of where I am today. And what was uh, what was the learning experience for you like really in that first year with Sudbury jumping into a head coaching role? Like I know the assistant coach is obviously a huge step to take, but you know being the guy, like being the head coach, that's got to be a huge step. What did you learn in those three years of the OHL as a head coach? Oh, um, I guess it was. Just, it's always been a constant learning curve, I guess you'd say for me. And I mean, I probably look back now and think of. You know, probably I wish I, you know, when you first become a coach after about a year or so, you're like, wow, I wish I knew this stuff when I was playing. It would have helped me be a better player, you know, or the, this thought process. And then after about another year or two, you realize that you're like, holy, there's so much to learn and so many parts of coaching. So uh, going back to Sudbury, I felt like I was ready. I had a good plan. I'm glad I was uh got a chance to go back and do it in the OHL. I mean, oh, I could have done a lot of things way better, uh, but it was a great, uh, great experience for me. Um, coached some great players, you know, and then, uh, so it was, it was, it was great. And then for me, I actually came back and started working in the Tampa organization from there. And I was exposed to a lot of really good coaches, uh, you know, whether it be in Syracuse or in Tampa and then not only that, but just the minds around, uh, hockey with, uh, you know, Steve Eiserman, uh, Julian Brisbois, uh, just, uh, just keep going. Tom Kerbers and, uh, Pad Verbeek and Jamie Pusher and all these guys that I was working with. And it was just such a great group to be around. Obviously, they've had a lot of success since. And then John Cooper, of course, and his staff, Rick Bonus, et cetera. So it was such a, uh, good, uh, I guess, I guess area for me to be at that time with that group. And I think that really helped me with my, my path now that getting to Utica. Yeah, and then, so let's get to that first year in Utica. You jump in here as the head coach. Did you feel at that point now, you know, with 10-plus years coaching as a head coach, as an assistant coach, as your first year in Utica, did you feel a lot more prepared than maybe you were kind of, I mean, it's a strange thing to jump in and be an AHL head coach right off the bat, but, you know, your time as an assistant coach, do you think it prepared you enough for that first year? For sure. I, I felt very ready for the role at that point. I had, uh, I think I'd been an assistant coach in the American League for eight years, uh, had, uh, coached uh in the uh, ohl for two as an assistant three as a head so i was ready uh, i felt i was ready and it was good for me but i wouldn't have changed that either because it prepared me for the role uh coming in here in my first year and uh you know it's it's been a it's been great uh, my uh my i gotta say like my time here in utica but also working with the vancouver group and then and my boss ryan johnson etc i mean it's been a, it's been a great uh, tenure for me Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's a tough season to kind of see it this year. But I know last year you guys had a lot of success. It would have been great to see what that team was able to do. Um, I, I think that something I want to kind of dive into is something that I had, and I brought it up with you in the media availability earlier this week. But one of the things that Cole Lynn mentioned was just he's he's really seen a growth in your coaching, just as making it such a positive thing to come to the rink now over the past four years of being a head coach. Like, what is things, the way that you're looking at bringing in young players, do you think? Uh, you know what? Like even uh, my first year here, it was, it was a different. It was a diff- bit of a different group, uh, uh, but it was you know it was I really enjoyed it. And I thought the second was a struggle, maybe for me personally. I guess uh, we just finished some playoffs. I had some you know I had a, uh, my mom had passed away in the summer. It was a tough. It was a tough time for me, and so it was just yeah. uh, you know and this it uh, 
And then coming back to second year, we had a group, I think it was seven rookies, I remember up front, trying to manage that. Didn't have the team that was, um, you know, and there's always going to be, maybe not have the teams that are successful or right off the bat, but it was just a grind for me that year. And I felt like after that, that year kind of just took a, we had a long summer, you know, unfortunately or whatever, but it was a really good summer for me to kind of just reevaluate what I was doing, how I was doing it. um, And just the, you know, the, I guess the, the appearance that I was, I was putting off or, uh, and just what we, what I could do better, to be honest. And, and I'm no different than the players. You know, I have to, and I've always said that, you know, I'm trying to apply myself to my craft and do the best I can. And I think just from, from coming back, uh, it's just been a, a more enjoyable process for me. I think my perspective has been just gaining perspective uh, and just in how I can help young guys. Uh, I feel like I've got a, a ton of knowledge after all my experience, whether playing or coaching now mm-hmm. at this level and how I can better uh, pass that on, you know, and how I can help each guy individually. You know, I've always been kind of a, a video grinder of just watching everything and seeing guys and seeing different situations. And anyway, so I think the whole package, it was just a good, that summer was a good summer for me. I, like you said, unfortunately, we ended too early last year, but we've carried that on here this year too. And I feel very excited to coach the group, even though it's a, it's a younger kind of different group this year too. Uh, I'm curious about it too, because like when, when Cole told me that, I was I was thinking, like, it can't all just be, you know, rainbows and daisies when you're bringing in these young guys. Like, I'm, I'm curious, how do you kind of, like, be strict with these new guys when they're jumping into a new league and making such a big transition? A lot of them coming out of junior or NCAA, like, this is the biggest jump of hockey that they're ever going to go through coming to the AHL. So, how do you kind of make it, like, a, a great place to be but still kind of find the balance of you, you know, you're trying to teach these guys and instill things about the National Hockey League or the AHL just that you know, they have to be prepared to a certain level, but you want to make it a good time at the same time. How do you, how do you kind of find that balance? I feel like that's got to be a tough thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And I'm a, I'm a parent. I have three sons. So I think that's helped me uh, along the way. You know, I make some mistakes <laughs> with my kids and you know what I can do. And I don't, they're not the same age, but they're close, you know? And so, uh, but I find that just, um, my relationships with the players uh, have has become better. It's almost a little like a, a parenting thing. I believe that they get to a point they know that they can trust me. I feel like, and then then it's also easier for me to ask. Uh, things of them you know what I mean because there is a trust factor going back and forth and and you know what too like the organization and Jim and John and, and RJ they've helped them. like that second year was a, was a tough one for our group but we were very very young and very inexperienced and uh, it was a real battle for us so I don't I think too the organizations learned and we, we've uh, facilitated better support for some of our young guys and I think that's just been a huge weight lifted off off of our some of our players because our young guys coming in it's such a it's such a tough league like you'd said such a tough jump sometimes that first year is just a year of survival i mean it's great if guys have good years or things are productive but sometimes it's just a huge adjustment off the ice uh, is probably more the adjustment than even on the ice you know living up your own having to cook there's so much things like the more of the gaining of independence that these young guys have to deal with you know what i mean as opposed yeah. to maybe coming from billets or somewhere with this meal plan or etc etc so anyways i think it's just uh i think it's a combination of everything and uh and it's been you know what and i'm having fun. and uh, that's one thing i had to remind myself that uh i was the team guy when i played and it was more just get, getting ourselves back to where we're all 
on the right path together and, and, and enjoying ourselves a bit too. We have to have some fun. So to make sure that we're, we're being productive too. Absolutely. I mean, you're playing hockey. It's, it's, I mean, you want to have fun when you're doing that. Absolutely. And I, to kind of expand on what you just mentioned there, some of these young guys, like, man, it's, it's, I can't imagine how tough it's been for these guys through COVID and everything that you guys have dealt with over the past few weeks. But like, how impressed are you from the maturity from guys like Carson Folk or Will Lockwood or Jack Rathbone, these guys that have jumped in and really just looked right at home in the age. They have, and, and you know what? And, and I'm going to say this next comment, and this is not to diminish anybody either, but they are in a in a, a special time in the American Hockey League because, as we all know, everyone has a taxi squad, everyone has a full roster in the NHL because of everything that they're dealing with. So we really, in essence, have the American Hockey League probably as young as I've ever seen it. Hmm. So um, it's a great year for young guys coming into the league, a shortened season, not that grind physically, mentally on them and to have this great like almost kind of a trial by fire for a short period of time and so and and i've really enjoyed it i think it's just a great for guys to know like we came in and a big slogan we've been saying is a lot we got 100 days we have 100 days you know and stuff that's for us you know being smart off the ice being smart on the ice and applying some time to our craft because you know we haven't been playing not many teams are hockey is being played so we're very lucky so but it's been great so to answer your question yeah you know what i've really liked our young guys i've liked their attitude i like that they've come in and they felt comfortable and uh they're trying things i loved our first nine games i really liked how our group was, was coming along i liked how our young guys were part of it and they were really contributing too they weren't just you know um just here so uh and it's been great and you know you're gonna have some ups and downs but overall the group without saying every guy's name i've just been overall kind of thrilled with their development and, and being able to be a part of this and that's actually one of the things that I get a lot of responses to, whether it's in comments or tweets sending in when I'm talking about some of these guys in the comments. It's it's like, yeah, but this AHL season's a lot easier for these young guys coming in. It's not the same as usual. Do you think that that's just like a too much of a tough jump for a lot of these guys to ask of? Like, you know, Cole and Jonah in their first year, they come out of junior and, you know, both of them talked about it on this show before that, you know, it's been a really big struggle for them. Is, is this year just like it's making – I know it's it's obviously making things easier for sure, but do you kind of like the way that it's going for these young guys with, with, like you mentioned, the AHL being younger than ever before? Like it's making it a little bit of an easier transition. You don't really need that buffer year like we saw with Cole and Jonah. Well, uh, yes and no. And so my answer to that is yes, is it easier for those players to come and acclimate to the American Hockey League level? Yes, it is. Um, but – this is also probably the year, the, the largest jump from the American Hockey League to the NHL level, too, because right. of that taxi squad. Like, really, you think about it, if people put that taxi squad back in their American League team, that's your top three forwards, your top two defensemen, and your top goalie or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can imagine how that would enrich this level, right? So the higher the level of compete that that's happening here, I think still creates a better environment for those players to be able to jump to the NHL and be more NHL ready. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, so that's my, my kind of thought on it. But that being said, 
that's just how it is this year. And right. so it's a great year. Like I said, everybody's young for the most part. There are some teams that have more veteran leadership than others. And uh, but but you know what? It's a great time for us to come in. And even too, like we've had the the split affiliation as well. But mm-hmm. I feel like the young guys from St. Louis are part of the, the the group that's contributing and being a part of it as well. So I think it's it's just been a good year. I, I like it. Is it different? Yes, it is different. But and there's there pros and cons to both. Absolutely, absolutely, for sure. Absolutely, and I think a lot of people were were kind of worried about the the combination of the Blues and the and the Canucks players coming through with the Comets this year. But I got to ask, like, with the Stevens brothers coming from each organization, was that kind of something to help bring everyone together at the start of the year? Yeah, like I said at the start of the year, two really good kids uh, coming from hockey family. Their dad obviously is a coach and, and played, and so I think that like for for me when I first came in, I, I saw that first week. I just thought. These two were kind of the bridge of the group um, because most of our guys with our group in Canada, a lot of the guys that came here weren't even in Vancouver for that opportunity for training camp. So a lot of them kind of directly reported here. St. Louis had already had most of their, almost all their guys in St. Louis being in the state. So they had already formed that bond, a little bit of a relationship already with each other for a few weeks, right? So it was a little bit of a catch-up for our Vancouver group to get with the guys. And I think we did the, as best a job we could as a staff and, and just kind of the molding and uh, uh, we call it blending here. Um, and so just, but it's been a great blend. The guys have done a really good job with it. And now, like, if I snapped a pick, you'd see, you know, a bunch of guys over three sections up in the stands right now working on their uh, their golf pools. And it kind of makes you feel a little warm and fuzzy inside that we we've done a good job bridging those two groups together yeah well that's good to hear and uh you know like you said it's great to hear that you guys are doing some team stuff because it's so hard for everyone to do that and you know just to hear that you guys are able to do that i think a lot of canucks fans are happy because with what we have going on in vancouver right now uh not a great spot so i don't want to dive into too much more covid stuff we'll do that on the rest of the episode while i don't have you uh but i want to i want to kind of go into some of the players that have come across you over the past little bit and i thought one of the most interesting ones uh was actually a quote that we heard from robert esch last year about mikey di pietro um and i just want to ask about the player that you saw with him like the the quote from esch was that he's never seen a, a player work harder than mikey di pietro and a lot of people see the situation that mikey's in right now where he hasn't been able to play games and obviously that's an unfortunate situation for him but as a guy who has been quoted as you know one of the strongest working players that i've ever seen what did you kind of get over your year with mikey uh you know, well, first of all, we miss Mikey. You know, we miss seeing his face. Uh, a kid who comes to the rink smiling a lot all the time, and uh, and that's infectious. He's he's a he was a, a really good pro who didn't need any time to become a pro, which is very rare. Um, and that that's exemplified, like what Rob said, with his work ethic and and how he carries himself and how he conducts himself. Um, but you know what? I thought from the start of the year he came in. kind of had a little bit of an adjustment you know as as everybody does but pretty good start really overall uh his biggest adjustment came he was called up and and i you know i'm kind of searching here now i think it was for maybe two to two to four weeks he was on a recall and uh he was up in van and then when he came back he had missed a step right he hadn't had starts in those four weeks or whatever it was and so he needed he probably needed like a two to three week it was almost another full month before i felt like he kind of got back to where he where we kind of thought he would be and then what i did see from that point on and then the next month after that he really just kind of took off and i just thought his 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 uh his line guard his line graph or his, his bar chart there just kind of went straight up and i thought he did a great job he ended up 
pretty much outright, outright winning the the number one job here, uh, and that was deservedly so by him. And I just felt very comfortable with him playing, and uh, it was just a, I thought a really good situation. Again, unfortunately, that group. Um, not being able to play longer than March or whatever because I thought it was a real good opportunity for Mikey to be able to get some uh, American Hockey League playoff games and and he was the guy that I felt very comfortable in going into the AHL playoffs with but uh, great goalie great learning curve uh, I thought it had a fabulous uh, first year even though it was shortened with a call up and of course COVID yeah and I I think I, I remember there was a point last year I think it was Laval I think he made 36 saves on 37 shots and that was about a couple weeks after and it just felt like from there on like this this guy was going to be the starter for you on most nights and I'm wondering like when a young guy comes in like that and does the rookie season like he has like does that kind of just shock you especially from the goaltender position I feel like that's a tough jump to make because a lot of the shots you're seeing in junior man when you you see the comparison of what you're going to get from 18 and 19 year olds compared to you know Reed Boucher's shot last year like that's a huge jump in, in just what a goaltender has to go through. Was it just like how impressive was it to see Mikey do that in his first year of the AHL? No, it is, and it's it's rare, right? You, you don't see guys come in and, and dominate. Not, not to say dominate, but you know, like succeed and have that level of success that he did. And uh, that's like I said, I feel like that kind of got cut short. Obviously, everybody could say that, but. Um, <laughs> But and I wanted to see kind of where he would have finished, you know, because I thought it was great. I thought it was just such a great experience for him. And like you say, it is not as I'll go back to my quote I said before. Like a lot of the times, it's just about surviving your first year uh, in the league. And here's a guy who came in in the in the Lions uh, year of an American Hockey League. It was a tough year. It was it wasn't COVID or less guys or this or that. It was as good as it ever is. And he came in. I thought did a heck of a job and. Uh, just uh, surprising is what I'd say. At the goalie position for a guy to come in, I've, I've had some good goalies through my years and, and guys who've gone on to the NHL, and you know he's right up there with, with those guys with how his year was. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, it, it, we're hoping to see some progression, even though it's, it's hard to see what's going on right now with the uh, taxi squad situation, but I'm sure we'll see him back in game action eventually here. Uh, I want to ask about a couple guys who now have been with you for a few years. Um, I guess, you know, Cole and Jonah, or Cole definitely was there for the four years, a uh, little bit at the end of your first year, I guess, but to see where he's at now and, and, you know, being called up to the taxi squad, how ready do you think Cole Lind is for the NHL? Yeah, you know what? I, I'm excited. I, you know what it is? is it, I can't, you know, I, I, I profess to, to be a, a pretty solid opinion of the American Hockey League. I'm not around the NHL every day. So to comment where a guy fits, you know, that's always more the NHL guys will see him there. But mm-hmm. I, I love Cole's progression. I mean, we've gone from a first year where you have some ups and downs, which is fine. But he deserves a ton of credit. Like that first year, even from the start of the first year to the end of the first year, like, his his body how he looked like just he had transformed himself kind of into a hockey player and i know maybe the results didn't come but we were talking about this we would say like it's not going to surprise me one bit i was saying if colin comes back and scores 20 goals next year you know we said that after the first year like it's just sometimes when when the ball gets rolling especially confidence it's tough to get that stuff back so but he came in last year I thought at the start of the year, where it was great. I liked our lineup. I thought we had Cole in a spot where we could kind of shelter him a little bit to get his confidence back. And then after that, I, I felt like him. And, and when uh, when he went with Bales, uh, him and Bailey, I just thought that the yeah. two fed off each other, had a great rapport with each other, you know, created a, a real good uh, buffer for Cole, and, and he got his confidence. And then after that, I just I thought he kind of took off from there. And uh, he worked, obviously, extremely hard. 
guard. He's come back here this year, accepted some different roles when I asked him to a year ago and then came back in and I talked to him a lot when he first came here. I said, hey, like, I'd like to try at center, see how it goes. I know you've done it before. I think this would be a real good progression for you. I said, we can always go back to the wing. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And he was just accepting of it, wanted to to try the role. We would would talk just very briefly after games here so far to start the year about some things we would like him to do or some looks at that middle position. But I thought he kind of ran with it and did a really good job. And I got to ask about the face-offs with Colin. Taking him left-handed, where did that kind of come from? He mentioned that he talked to his brother about that. I just, I find it so weird. And when I talked to him on Monday, he's like, oh, I'm doing that if I get into the NHL on a face-off. And I'm like, you don't see that often. Yeah, and I can't take any credit there. So exactly what happened is, you know, we've got some guys here from St. Louis. Their forte, you know, we've lost Jason King, obviously, as assistant coach. We didn't refill that position, but we have other guys from here. So Danny mm-hmm. Kachuk has been in charge. I've had him uh, kind of take charge of our centermen because we got some guys. We want to improve on that. So Cole was out there working. The group of them were out there working. We had to get better at those face-offs. Cole, is, he deserves a credit. There's no, there was no talk from me on that. I mean, I've seen guys in the NHL do it in the past. Uh, but good for him. If, it, if it's given him an edge, it's great. And you know what? He started taking those face-offs for us last year on our power play. Right. And uh, we had this great jump with Bales coming off the wing there. And he knew whether, you know, it gave Cole confidence too because whether Cole wanted or lost it, he knew Bales was going to be the first guy on the puck anyway. So it was great for our power play. And, and I thought it'd give him good kind of experience heading into to this year as being a centerman. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt pretty wild last year seeing uh, seeing Bailey and Boucher. It felt like you had the fastest player in the league and the guy with the best shot in the league. Uh, I, I want to ask about Bailey's little stretch there, that, that three hat tricks in four games. Like, have you seen anything like that in professional hockey? No, no, I have not. And uh, that was one of those things that uh, you walk by and you see the guy, and you're just like, stay hot, buddy, and keep moving <laughs> because it's like, you know, you don't mess with a streak, right? Yeah. So, uh he was, uh, he was doing great. And you know what? I coached against Bales in junior, uh, coached against him when I was in Syracuse. He was in Rochester. So I've seen a lot of him. And then he was in Lehigh Valley a couple years ago. So I'd seen a lot of him. I, I knew of him. I had an idea of his game. And, and uh, another guy who deserves a ton of credit. Like he, uh, he really just, I thought, just did a great job. I thought he blossomed last year. And uh, I thought it was just a great, great environment for him. And, he, and I, I could see his confidence. And again, with him and Cole working together, I just thought, it was a great uh those two were great for each other yeah no they absolutely were i mean it made for some really fun hockey like you just like the jokes coming out of what bailey was doing there was ridiculous so uh i want to dive into another guy who's been around for a couple years and every young guy that i talk to on this show or just through an interview seems to sing high praises about sven berchi and what he's been able to do to these young guys what does it mean for you to kind of have a guy who's been in the nhl you know been a top six player in the nhl and now to have him as part of your leadership group in utica it's uh, that's a luxury uh, that a, a coach in the American League doesn't get very often. Right. Um, you know what, Sven is a, is a great, he's a good human being, you know, and he comes in and just how he's got a he's got a calm sense of demeanor, but also a great, quiet, confident about him and how he plays. And he's a guy who doesn't uh, he doesn't get. Um, 
uh, like uh, un- unraveled or he doesn't get himself off focus with what's happening on the ice he does a, he does a really good job of calming the, the guys down that he's playing with I feel like that and he's a real good level head on the bench and talking with guys within the play and, and I just uh, like I said it's a luxury Sven's a great guy to have I love having conversations with him he's an intelligent guy like he's he's great to be around our group and uh, and not only that but he's a he's a heck of a hockey player right and so mm-hmm. again it's one of those situations where it's great it's easy for us to you know maybe get some guys in there and play him with Sven and he's a guy who makes people around him better and uh, I think that's probably the best compliment I can I can give him yeah absolutely I mean day in and day out you know what you're getting from him it seems like on the ice and uh, one of the guys I, I talked to in the offseason and I found it super interesting to hear how hard he was really working this offseason and to see the success that he's having this year with Jonah Gadjevich now eight goals in nine games I mean what are you seeing different from him because as a guy who's evaluating him as a prospect here at Canucks Army I just seeing I'm seeing like he it doesn't look like he's gained a ton of speed but it just feels like every reaction is quicker that's kind of the thing that I've noticed from last year to this year yeah, no, you know what? Uh, we said that right from the first week we came back. I said, Jonah is, is a half a step faster. I said, I don't know, you know, what, exactly the measure or this or that, but he looks faster. He's chipping. And, you know, sometimes when he doesn't have space in the neutral zone, he throws a little chip out there and he's blowing around a guy to get to a puck. His forecheck is with some tenacity. Uh, he's also using some of that, uh, I, you know, he has a good controlled aggression, but he's a big, strong guy. And I, I've always said that to Jonah, like, you're Jonah Gadjevich. And everyone around should know that, you know what I mean? And you need to exude that so you can have more space on the ice, you know. And he's a guy who will do anything, you know. And he's, he's, a, he's a tough guy to play against, but he's got great hands. He's got a great shot. And the other thing is the, the simple things of how his forechecking this year it's turning over pucks. And then what he does from there, too, is he, he gets himself to the, the dirty areas that sometimes guys don't like to go to, mm-hmm. and, he, and he's getting rewarded for it. And he's such a great job at net front. Like, he's got a great hand-eye coordination. He's great on tips. He's great on battling and being in those situations to get around the, that loose change around that net front. So, again, another guy who's playing with, I think, a ton of confidence, but deservedly so. Um and he's the guy too that's, uh, he's doing a great job with the, the, the time that he's getting. Uh, for me, it's not been a penalty killing guy, but he's on the power play. He's five on five. I mean, getting him into four on four and then now start, he's playing overtime or I say now, this was a month ago. He was playing <laughs> overtime. So there's certainly a confidence from me to him as well that I think he's kind of flourishing and he's gaining and, and he's making me more and more of a believer all the time when I'm watching him because, uh, you know, I just love how he he's playing right now for us yeah i mean absolutely can't argue with the production that he's putting up right now for sure uh one of the one of the pairings that i've really enjoyed watching this year and it seems like right before you guys were getting shut down uh this pairing was out there with the first few or the first uh forward line a lot uh with jack rathbone and jet Wu. what are you seeing from these two young guys and it seems like you're playing them for quite a bit of ice time now when they were together yeah no you know what uh we talk about Kind of not our rules, but the things I talk about every young defenseman here when they come in is they have to learn how to to, to be difficult to play against. And what that means is just their job in the D zone coverage, what their responsibilities are, and doing it with a little bit of a snarl. And, uh, you know, we don't want to make it easy for the opposition to play in our zone. 
But the thing that these two do a really good job with is, and this is the second thing we always talk about, is moving pucks. Like, your job's not to go from one end to the other. Your job is to make that simple first pass. From there, you can join. You can be part of the offense. And so we want those guys to do that. And I think that's where those two are excelling. They move pucks really well. They've both shown a very good and high level of composure for young guys in the league, moving pucks. And uh, and they're not just throwing things away. And what that's done is it's helped release some of the pressure of playing in D-zone coverage too much because they're moving pucks so well and uh both of them together it's kind of you know they haven't played a ton together none of us have played it seems like a long time but it's only nine games but these guys are doing a pretty good job with their short time together and i mean jet's got a real tough spot to do i mean jumping in as a defenseman and and coming to the hl and playing that game i mean you know kind of the way that you talked about the way you played i feel like jet woo's in in a similar spot right he's going to be a guy who's going to be you know is he's going to excel in the defensive zone and and with jack it seems like he's kind of opened up his offensive game a little bit um, goalies we talked about is a tough transition to make, but I feel like defenseman's kind of the next position that's a little bit tough. How how impressed have you been with Jet Wu's ability so far? It's been really good. Like that's he's he's surprised me. As I said, I didn't realize he had that that poise to his game, and I think he's kind of he was developing that over his time from the game one to through game nine, and uh, I, I like that too. It's it's tough at this level too of, of making those reads defensively and things off the rush. Those are huge uh, huge jumps for young defensemen. So, and he's doing a really good job with that. I think we've talked about that with him. We've talked about the simplicity of trying to, to make that so they're easier reads for the for those guys but uh you know what like i just i i like the two that like you said he's got a little bit of gur in his game and i think that's uh that helps him it also helps him get a little bit more involved so there's not games where you're, you're not being involved if you're more uh, i guess uh on edge so to speak you're playing with a little bit of bite that right. gets you more involved in the game that i think jet's done a really good job with that part Absolutely. Well, I just looked and we're over 30 minutes here. So I kind of just want to close out with, um, with just asking you now. I mean, like, it, you know, it's been close to a month now since you guys have played. You guys are expected to get back on Friday and you have three games. And, and just looking at the way the schedule kind of sets the rest of the season, like, you guys are bang, bang, bang. You guys are getting back into hockey and it's going to feel like a regular AHL season is something you talked about on Tuesday. Um, how excited are, is the group and yourself and just really the whole organization just to get back on the ice on Friday now? Yeah, it's great. I mean, this is why we're all here in Utica. We're here to, you know, coach, play hockey and be a part of it. So we're excited to get back. Uh, we'll have to, you know, we're, the thing is, it's going to be, it's going to be some tough times, I think, for us. You know, we, I felt like our conditioning of our team was right where I wanted it to be mm-hmm. before the nine games. I really liked how we were playing. I liked our starts. You know, I, I would be, you know, I, I hope we can get back to that, but we're going to take some time and, and it's going to be, you're playing against teams who either haven't, missed a beat or have missed a week or two and all of a sudden we've been almost off for a month so it's going to be a a bit of a i'm not going to say a struggle but we'll have some ups and downs probably more here for through these next couple months or or whatever it is 48 days here left but you know what i think it's a good challenge we're excited to be playing so i think that that will outweigh everything else just getting a chance to get back to work and that's what we've been here for and and, uh, these games are precious and boy we hope we can get to at least game one on friday and kind of go from there Absolutely. I've seen all you can eat and all you can drink for fans in the arena. That's going to be a rowdy crowd on Friday. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. I, uh, I'm hopefully be focused on our, our 20 in front of me, but uh, <laughs> I hope the 400 people uh, enjoy the beers and, and enjoy the food. That, that'll be great. It'll be great to play in front of some people against some fans. That's awesome. Yeah, most definitely. Okay, there's, there's one final thing i got to ask about because there's – 
you know, he's been a player that I've loved to deal with in media. You got a good hold of him last year as well. Uh, Nikolai Goldobin, how much fun is he around the rink? Because he's he's been one of my favorite guys to cover off uh, off the ice. Uh, Goldie, yeah, no, I I had a good relationship with Goldie. It's been it was spanned over the I guess the four years we were here. I had him you know early, and then he came back to us. But mm-hmm. uh, no, good guy, good kid. We have we have a good relationship. Uh, you know, I even had coaches calling me about him from Russia this year too. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I thought he he did well for us. You know, we had him in a PK role here too, and trying to have him learn more parts of the game. And uh, and again, another guy kind of like Sven, like he he had he he was a good guy to. Be be around he made a lot of guys better around him and uh, boy he was a he's an awfully skilled player at this level that's for sure absolutely it felt like uh you know he just was never not smiling as well <laughs> yeah no and that's great that's the thing it's uh i've been very lucky the last couple of years that the people that vancouver's brought through the doors and the guys that are coming here have been been awesome guys and then that's really kind of made our jobs a lot easier that's for sure absolutely well uh trent really appreciate the time here man we almost went for 40 minutes uh i just want to appreciate you uh taking some time out of your day and man like you guys are gonna have the spotlight on you for canucks fans with no hockey going up in vancouver i think it's gonna be a good weekend to get the comments back in action and uh you know from vancouver we can't wait to see what happens this weekend and moving forward with you guys Oh, that's great. I appreciate it. Remember, slow and steady here to start, right? We've <laughs> some time off. We'll be the guinea pigs. Hopefully, like Vancouver will be. And once they get back rolling, I hope they do again here, too. But, uh, <laughs> no, thanks for your time, man. And we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. I got to get back to my golf pool. Yeah, sounds good, Trent. Best of luck with that. And thanks for your time. Take care, Chris. Bye bye. And a huge thank you to all of our sponsors. And, of course, Utica Comets head coach Trent Cole for joining us. Well, joining you, Chris, for this episode of Canucks Conversation. Good conversation you had there with uh, Mr. Call. That was uh, yep. it was an interesting interview for sure. What was your main takeaway from it? I man, like there's a lot. Uh, you know, Trent's been been great to deal with all season long. Uh, this is the first year that I've been part of the media in Utica since we're able to get on Zoom with these guys. Obviously, I'm not on the ground in Utica, but it's been it's been kind of interesting for me to to ask him questions and, and get one, you know, I get two questions in and every media availability with them. And, and it's been great to get those answers. I just wanted to expand on a lot of things, right? Like we, we obviously talked a lot uh, later in the, in the second half of the interview about some of the players, about Mikey DiPietro's work ethic and, you know, how, how he kind of wishes that Mikey was with them this year too. And, and just to hear the evolution in games of like Jonah Gadjevich and Cole Lind, and then to hear about the difference of him just kind of creating a more positive environment for 20 year olds and rookie players to come in, whether it be through NCAA or, or junior hockey. Like I, I found that he, he has learned, right? Like obviously he's learned a lot. The, the situation that he was dealt in his first couple of years is kind of tough. And, and I believe that it's something that he talked about in the interview as well was like, you know, Vancouver has set him up in a way better position to bring in these young players now over the past two seasons. And you're seeing it because you're seeing these young players have success. I mean, Carson Folk right off the bat, jumping in and being an impact player, Jet Wu now playing alongside Rathbone and being an impact player. Like, you know, it, it's been good to see these young players have success so early. And and the other thing was that, that Cole brought up, like, it is a different year, right? Like, he mentioned, you're probably missing your whole first line because they're up on the taxi squad. You're missing your top pairing because they're up on the taxi squad. And for the Canucks, they're missing their goaltender because he's up on the taxi squad not playing games in Mikey DiPietro. So, like... The AHL is kind of like a softer, easier version this year because everybody's missing their first pair, their first line, and their first goaltender. But it, that kind of has opened up the door for these 20-year-olds to have success and jump in the lineups and be impact players right off the bat. So just just all around the, the development, I thought, was kind of the thing that I enjoyed talking about with Trent there. Yeah, it was it was a good conversation, Chris, absolutely. Now, 
I think we should close out with a prospect report and then the betting segment. I know you have some prospects you want to talk about. I don't have much. I think I'm going to do an episode where I deep dive on Arthur Silovs because you didn't include him in the top 10 prospect rankings, which I personally took offense to. So, yeah, I, I'll talk <laughs> about him on another episode. Why don't you give yourself a, a little prospect report here? Give it, give the prospect yeah. report to the people. I think I have uh, I have Silovs at 13, I think, on my list. Uh, so wow. the guys that didn't end up making the top 10, as people will see, or people that don't know, Canucks Army, I'm putting out the top 10, my list of the rankings of the prospects. Uh, the honorable mentions were Will Lockwood, Arvid Kosmar, Archer Silos. They were all honorable mentions for me. Yanni Yermo falls in that list as well. I just I just haven't seen enough good things from Yanni Yermo this season to, to really think that he is ahead of the other 13 players that I talked about. Uh, Carson Folk came in at number 10. Like I mentioned, he jumped to the AHL, and even though it is an easier AHL, he's made an impact right off the bat. Victor Pearson came in at number 9. Uh, and I'm not going to really go through the list right now because uh, I, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop here at number eight, which will come out tomorrow on Canucks Army. But Dmitry Zlodiev, there is some news about him. So, you know, he's back to playing now in the MHL. They're in the MHL playoffs right now. They're actually moving into the finals uh, starting right now. So that's exciting to see. I believe it starts It starts this week sometime. I have to look at the schedule to see what time I have to wake up at 4 a.m. But uh, Zlodiev's back in action in the MHL finals. So it's going to be exciting to follow him uh, and see what he does, if he can make that push for the KHL and the World Junior Team next year. Some two things that I expect him to do and he's going to come in at number 8 on my list because I I think that if he's able to do that and jump into the KHL next season which a lot of people think he can and be a leader on that Russian team it's going to be a big year for him and I think he's even going to jump up higher potentially than number 8 on our list. So um He's a guy that we gotta kind of just give some give some eyes to over the next couple weeks as they uh, play their MHL final. That's the junior league in Russia. Uh, and speaking of Russia, I guess we can talk about Vasily Podkolz in a bit. Uh, Ska is now trailing CSKA by a by a series number of three to zip. That's right. Ska has not won a game yet, and I think a lot of people will hear that and be like, "Oh, so that means Podkolz is going to get eliminated and come over to Vancouver?" You know what? Like. The way that Jim Benning has talked about it, like if the Canucks weren't going through the COVID situation they're at right now, I really think that they would try to get him here. Just, I really think that they would have blown that year of the ELC, get him over here. I believe that turns him into a 10C as well, or a 10.2C if he does play games here, which, you know, is the situation that we find Quinn Hughes in as he signs his deal moving forward. And that's the difference between... Are you sure? A, that's a, oh, no, no, you're right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yes, he is a 10-2-C. That means he's not... Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shut up, quads. I'm talking prospects here. Um, so if, if he gets into that situation, you know, that's that's a different contract situation. Even though you don't get the three years of ELC, you're going to get the 10.2-C with a situation like Quinn Hughes. And for people that don't understand it, it's just a little bit of a different situation. That's why you'll see Elias Pettersson, who came in at the start of a season. Uh, he's going to be an RFA with some rights as well. But, I mean, with, with Quinn Hughes, like uh, you know, he doesn't really have a lot of different situations or different paths to go down with this contract negotiation. It's basically you sign with the Canucks. So if the Canucks do want to bring in Pod Colson, um, it's still a possibility. I don't think it'll happen personally. I just think that there's too much going on with COVID now for sure. And I, you know, with the two week quarantine and the potential that the Canucks still have to go out and sign him after his deal is up, 
Like, it's just, I don't think it's going to happen. But I do think that Jim Benning has that thought in his mind. He's told us in the media availabilities, he's talked about wanting to get Pod Colson over here this year to see what he can do. So it's still a possibility. I just don't think it's going to happen uh, with everything going on in Russia. And man, it was it was tough to watch Pod Colson's, uh, his last game, the third game of the series when they ended up losing. He ends up playing just under four minutes in that whole game after being the second most used forward in game two. He didn't play, he played under a minute in the first two periods. I'm like, what the hell am I doing up watching this KHL game right now when I get one minute of Pod Colson through two periods? It was ridiculous to see. He was used as a 13th forward in that game, uh, a bad spot to be in for a guy who has led the team in percentage of ice time spent on attack. So a, a big miss again for uh, for Scott in the playoff series. So, uh, you know, not a great spot to be in, uh, but uh, he's going to come in on the list obviously at some point. And man, I don't know. We'll talk about this next week on the show. But like, you know, the comparables and like ranking. Obviously, Vasily Podkolz is going to come in at number one on the list, right? I think a lot of people are going to know that, um, especially from me who covers him so closely. But man, I, you know, it was a late night, and I was putting this list together, and like the thought crossed my mind to have Rathbone at number one. And he's going to come in at number two on the list. But like, we'll talk about this maybe next week on the show. But like, the the the, the high ceiling. For, for Rathbone is just so high that it, it, I believe his ceiling is actually higher than Vasily Pod Colson's for like what type of impact he can make on an NHL team. Though the floor, I believe, for Pod Colson is already so much higher than Rathbone's, and I believe that that kind of pushes Pod Colson to number one. But the chance to be an absolute star in the NHL, I think Rathbone has the higher potential. So uh, that's something we'll definitely dive into over the next couple of weeks for sure. Uh, but there's not really a lot of other things to report. Uh, I think I mentioned it. Kepin has joined the, the Comet, so that's going to be an interesting to see him fit in, a 20-year-old winger uh, who, who might even slide in in the spot that Jonah Gadjevich started the season. So we might end up seeing like a really exciting Young Guns line again uh, of, of Kepin uh, with Carson Folk in the middle and then Will Lockwood on the right. Like That would be a lot of fun to see that trio come together. Together. So that's that's another exciting line that we'll see. And the Comets get back to action on Friday. And, and man, for the next six weeks, the Comets play a lot of games. I think most of the weeks they play three games uh, in a week. It's going to be Friday and Saturday matchups with games on Wednesdays, Tuesdays, or Thursdays. So lots of hockey coming up for these Comets and their development over the next little bit. And, man, I can't wait to get back to it because it's, it's going to be a full month since we've seen the Comets play. And there was a lot of positive things coming out of them as their season kind of uh, slowed down there due to COVID. So I know that uh, you guys probably heard it in the interview. Like, Cole is very excited to get back on the ice with these guys. And, and I'm excited to get uh, get back on AHL TV and be covering this team because there's a lot of good young talent uh, in Utica this year that, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to get back to covering. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to when we can all get back to covering hockey normally and uh, watching hockey normally as well. Again, before we close out, all our best to everybody on the Vancouver Canucks affected by it. We hope they all get better. And again, everybody out there right now, stay safe. Hope everybody right. is staying healthy as well. All the best to you and all your family members, all your friends and family. It sucks. To, I, I'm seeing more and more people that I know. Like, Sorry, before we close out. It felt like earlier I didn't really know anybody that had COVID, like, personally. But now it's like, you know, I've had, like, two friends that had it. And one yep. of my friends had the variant. And that was really bad for him. And, again, like, young young guy. And it was just, yeah, it's awful. I just, I, I hope everybody's staying safe. And that, yeah. you know, the hope is obviously that this just goes away. But I know that's not, that's not, uh, that, that's pretty wishful thinking. So, uh, yeah, just hope everybody's staying safe. Hope everybody's staying healthy. All the best to you for Chris Faber. No, my name is no, David no, 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 no. I'm no, not allowed no. to close out shows for some reason. Well, yeah, because you skip segments, you miss things, and I know oh, that we wanted okay, to talk okay, about okay. the betting segment a little I, bit, and you actually have a good 
thing to talk about this week on the betting segment because you've been doing good ever since a new sport has started, Quad. So please tell me about your baseball betting yes. that you've been, uh, yes. you've been crushing okay. it lately. How do you skip this and get right to the end here, Quads? I'm sorry. I was concerned about the the COVID and everything like that. I, I that was a serious note to end on. But now we're gonna we're gonna cut to our uh, betting segment from our friends at Odd Shark. You should go check out Odd Shark. Ton of editorial content, ton of betting trends that really help you inform your bets. Chris, I have been cleaning up in baseball. Okay, and you know, no surprise there. I talk about baseball a lot. It's it's that's my sport, man. That is my sport. So. Baseball season is upon us. I have been cleaning up. Uh, Shohei Otani put the take the over on him getting this five and a half strikeouts. I think it was set at Dustin May on the Dodgers again. Strikeout machine, electric stuff. Four point five strikeouts was the over under. You take the over on that. It was plus one twenty odds as well. So take the over on that, man. Those are just the main ones that I've hit on. But you can you can typically bet on Shohei Otani going out and getting a ton of strikeouts. He's really hard to solve early on in games for teams because he's got that splitter and just the way he can make the ball move, it keeps hitters on their toes and it usually takes hitters a while to pick up his tendencies. Usually his third go through the order is where teams start to tag him a bit, but you can usually count on him getting at least strike six strikeouts in a game. So I would I would go ahead and take the over on Otani whenever uh, he's available and... This guy in this guy in Texas, Nate Lowe, he is he is hot right now. So keep your eye on him as well. But yes, that is my that is our uh, betting segment from our friends at Odd Shark. And yes, it was all about baseball on a hockey podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like this this segment's going to evolve now into baseball. Did you? Uh, what were the odds on Shohan Otani uh, waving at a home run from Mike Trout? That was that was pretty awesome. Did you see that scene? Yes, I absolutely love Shohei. Hey, we just got a text, Chris. Our quiz is starting. We got to go, man. Okay, sounds good. We'll wrap things up. Uh, I, I guess I'll just close it out then since yep. you've tried already. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. So uh, for David Quadrelli and Chris Faber, thank you. I screwed up the ending there, but that's because we're in a hurry here. So <laughs> thanks for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. <laughs>